Let's pray. Father, we are just thankful. We're grateful that you who are so great, so powerful, so awesome, so mighty, so big, yet you love us who are so small and weak and frail and insignificant. Yet your love reaches down in the most powerful ways to touch us. And we are grateful. We're grateful that even as we lift our voices to you, you come in the room and you touch each of us specifically, personally, intimately. Lord, this morning you have our attention. Speak to us. Lord, your voice isn't loud. Sometimes it's just a whisper. So we lean in so that we can hear. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Feed us because we don't live by bread, but we live by every word that comes from your mouth. So, Lord, just speak to us. Father, I ask that as we lean in with the intent of obeying, Whatever you tell us, we'll do. Holy Spirit, give us the ability to carry that out. Father, I ask that you would help me as I share your word, acknowledging that it's not my word, it's your word. These are not my people, they are your people. The purposes are not mine, they are yours, Lord. So I ask that I might more than just speak words that I could convey your heart so that those who hear can accomplish that which you say, that at the end we might all glorify you. And so, Lord, that both the declaring and the hearing of your word would be unto you. It's with gratitude in our hearts, Lord, now that we set ourselves apart to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you came here this morning to meet Jesus. Some of you woke up this morning and he was there. My prayer long term is that more and more of us will wake up in the morning and meet him there and just bring him with us. So that when we leave, we don't leave him here. He just goes with us when we leave. There's a, we've been talking about experiencing God. And I realized the last few weeks that we live in a really small place, kind of like the genie from Aladdin. Only we don't have great cosmic power. We're just little people living in little places. But when we meet Christ, he takes us to another place, a much bigger place. It's called the purposes of God, the presence of God. And I want us to envision big today because we serve a really 
big God. You have no idea. You're going to see. I, I just want to put some nerdy things on the table for you so that you understand just how big and great God is. But let me start out first by saying that at the bottom line of all of this, it simply boils down to knowing him. That's the only prerequisite that you got to know him. You can't go any place until you know him. You can't do anything until you know him. All of those promises mean nothing until you know him. When Jesus prays in John 17, he says, this is his prayer to the Father. All that you've given to me, which means all of us that are his, he says, to them I've given eternal life, and this is eternal life, that they would know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. You've heard me share that before. But the thing is that that's so important because eternal life isn't time elongated, okay? It's not a thousand years plus. Eternal life, by Jesus' definition, is knowing him. Let me break that down into a really easy thing to remember. The word that he uses there is a Greek word, ginosko. Lawanda knows that word, ginosko. She's heard me say it enough times. Gnosko is a word that it, it means to know. Simply, it means to be personally aware or to intimately encounter. Personally aware or intimately encounter. Same word is used, by the way, for the sexual relationship between a man and his wife. Gnosko. Personally aware intimately encountering. So in essence, all of this is about being intimate and experiencing God. It all boils down to that. The reason that it's, that it's eternal life, how long do you think it's going to take us to work that out? Given how big God is. You know the Lord a thousand years, 10,000, you haven't even scratched the surface. So it's just ongoing, but that's what it is. And so that's what I'm hoping to call us up to this morning. John 3.16 that you see in every football game, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish, but would be personally aware of and would intimately encounter the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. He would give eternal life. That's what it is. That's what he offers, knowing. So like I said, nothing happens until you know him. Now, um, what does that have to do this morning with experiencing? Well, that's the thing. Knowing him is ongoing experience. We live in kind of a, unfortunately, in, in our culture, and I, and I feel bad for those of you who are younger, because part of what you're living in is a culture that is totally secularized, tells you that there's no God, tells you that there's nothing spiritual, and so you're left with all of this stuff 
and you try, you got to figure it out loud. But no, no, no. What God is, is saying is that I want you to know me. And so that's what we want to lean into a little bit this morning. He wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to experience him. Um, I've, I've shared before, and I won't go into all of the details, but back in May, in, 19, in I'm sorry, in 2012, I was having a fairly difficult time. Uh, my mom was sick. Um, we were, I, I was in about a six-month period where I was under a lot of conviction about things that were going on or weren't going on in my life. Any of you ever get in that place, you just kind of feel like, I'm missing this, and I'm missing this, and I'm missing this. And let me tell you something. Let me give you a little heads up on something. Um, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's because he sees something that's going on that he wants to change. But oftentimes, when the Holy Spirit is convicting you, there's someone else right behind him taking those very things, and he's trying to condemn you. And that's the enemy of your soul. So I was under about six months of conviction, and then here comes the devil, and he's just kicking me about, you know, you'll never change, you'll never be better, and da 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 And so my mom is sick. Uh, I've got all of this conviction going on, seeing all of these areas where I have. How many of you know your areas of weakness? Okay, magnify those a hundred times, you know, and, and I'm sure some of you know what that's like because then the devil just beats you up with that. So I'm under all of that, uh, stuck in, in, in a little place, and things just weren't going good. I walk out on my front porch uh, one morning at about 4.30, and I'm sitting on my porch, and across the street from my house, there are these trees. It's, it's May, so there are not a lot of leaves yet. I can still see the branches, through the branches, the clouds, and, or the, the stars, and so on. And I, just, I was just in a funk. I sat there and just kind of stared off, and usually I would go out to pray, and I just kind of sat there, beat up. And I noticed a little star kind of past the, the, the tree branches. And this is one little lone star. And I tried to pray. And everything was just coming right off my mouth, right onto the floor. Wasn't even a ceiling that could hit. It wasn't even going up. It was just going down. So I just sat there. And the more I sat there and tried to pray, I noticed that that little star, after a few minutes, was no longer by this branch, but it was by that branch. And I thought, oh, wow. It's moving. And so I'm distracted by this little star that's moving. And then I realized, no, it's not moving. I'm moving. Well, then the nerd Carlton kind of kicks in. And I wondered, how fast am I moving? And because there was no light on my porch at the time, I took my phone. And all of you, you all know Siri, so I don't have to introduce you to Siri. I said, Siri, how fast is the earth turning? And usually I get frustrated with Siri because sometimes she just gives you these stupid answers that have nothing to do with what you've asked her. But in that particular moment, she did. She said, 1,070 miles an hour. And I'm like, wow. 1,070 miles. We're turning that, that fast. So I did another really silly thing. And I sat really still. And I thought, can I 
feel what a thousand seventy miles an hour feels like. And needless to say, <laughs> I feel a thing. But it was enough for me to know that in another 15 minutes, that star is going to be in a different place. So I start calculating. And after about an hour, after about an hour, the star had gone from here to here. Or I had gone from there to there. And the Lord encouraged me with something because all of my problems were still the same after an hour, but something had happened. I had moved. There was, there was a change that had taken place, and I didn't feel it, but I knew because my eye was telling me it was there, now it's here. And the Lord said, stop looking at the thing that's close, which was the house across the street and the tree by the house said, stop looking at that and just look out in the distance and you'll see something's happening. I have a friend, Gary Bergel, who is, um, Gary was the, the founding president of Intercessors for America. We lived, Lawanda and I lived in um, Reston, Virginia for a while. And I've known Gary for a lot of years. And Gary used to share how there was a place in Great Falls, Virginia. If you've never been to Great Falls, you should go there. That's where the rich and famous, well, I don't know how famous they are, but that's where they, they live. And they, their places are really big places. And he said there was a hill that he used to go to. And he would sit on that hill and he would pray from there. And he said, the reason that I pray from there, he said, is that everything is big when you sit there. You get a great vantage point. He said, everybody needs to have one of those. Those places where you look out, you see big things. Because it's a reminder of how big God is. If you don't have one of those, we need prayer closets. You know, understand that. We need prayer closets. But we need those places to go that remind us that there are big things happening. Because it's very easy to get just imprisoned in a little tiny world. And so God calls us out of that. Now, Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? One of the things that you need to do often, when I say you need to look at big things, probably the biggest thing that you will ever see is above you. So look up. I saw that in the video. I love that. It's like, <laughs> Holy Spirit, I know I'm hearing from you now because I've just heard Pastor Michelle, she prayed this morning, shared some things in her prayer. She looked at me. She said, are you okay? I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Just that the Holy Spirit had given her something. Then I saw it in the video. But the, tr the, the trick is look up. Look up. The biggest thing that you will ever see is above you. It's above you. And what the scriptures actually say about that is that 
your, that you have displayed your splendor above the heavens. God said, these are all in place because they display my splendor. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? Look up, and you can see some things. Now, when the scriptures speak of the heavens, there are three heavens. You know that. You all knew that, right? Three heavens. Do you know what they are, though? We don't often think of what they are, but there are three. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Where's that coming from? The heaven. What's that first heaven? It's the atmosphere that surrounds the planet. Um, oh, I wish I had some time. I, I could bring up videos, pictures that you see from the, from the um, uh, International Space Center. Uh, space, um, thank you. What you'll see is a tiny little band that's around the Earth. You barely see it. You have to actually look for it. You know what that little band is? It's the atmosphere. It's where the air is that we breathe. Everything is in that little first heaven. The clouds, rain, all of that takes place in the first heaven. Second heaven, Matthew 24. This is Jesus. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So the first heaven is our atmosphere. That's where everything operates and is. The second heaven, sun, moon, stars, galaxies, what do you think that is? It's space. It's the universe. It's the physical universe. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Third heaven. Let me just simply say, and I can't develop it, don't have time to, but just simply, it's the dwelling of God. So it's beyond the first and the second heaven. It's, it's, this is where God is. And so you look up and what do you see? Big things. It's the bigness of God. And why is that important? Because you got to reorient. It's not about you. It's about him. The bigness of God will help you understand and know how small you really are. And you need to know that. Because in your smallness and in your insignificance, that's where his strength is perfected. As long as you have an inflated view of yourself and your things and your likes and your dislikes and your ambitions and all of that stuff, you know what? That's a prison that you live in. So God wants to free you from that. So he says, no, 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 let's get some perspective. You little tiny thing here and, and you can't deal with any of this. So look up and you'll realize I can't deal with this. Um, the issues that are on the table now that we're all facing, these generational things, you can't deal with that stuff. You need a God who's big enough 
to address these things. And so that's where we are now. <laughs> Big things. You can go ahead, uh, Victoria, that, that next slide. Oh, one of the things, though, when it comes to reorienting around God, it, it actually says, when it talks about all these big things, what is man that you are mindful of him? So with all of this, little tiny thing, there are 8 billion little tiny things on this planet right now. Smaller than ants, yeah? What are you looking at here? This is a way of looking up. And it's a way of really looking up. This is, uh, it's a telescope. Needless to say, it's part of the Sloan Digital Sky Survey, SDSS. That's one of the largest and most detailed and most often cited astronomical surveys that has ever existed. This is, this is top of the line for looking up. Um, what it does, it comprehensively maps across over a third of the sky. So it's not even able to see the whole thing, but just a third of the sky, this little slice, but it represents one of the major quests of contemporary physics. So this is science now. This is our ability to actually look at real things. It conducts experiments to observe, listen to this, millions of stars, galaxies, quasars, and other cosmological phenomena. God's creation. There are about 100 to 200 billion galaxies in the universe. By ex I mean, nobody's going to give you an exact number because we don't really know. What you just saw was a tiny little slice that we are able to see through that telescope. There's a consortium of astronomers from across the planet who have all come together, and their whole job is to map the universe. So what you saw were actual photos of galaxies that exist. 100 to 200 billion galaxies. A galaxy, an average galaxy, has about 100 billion stars in a galaxy. The Milky Way has about 100, about 100 billion stars. So you, you start kind of let your head explode around that for a minute. A hundred billion stars in a galaxy, and there are between a hundred and two hundred billion galaxies in the universe. I was curious as to the furthest out that we were able to see. Furthest out that we can see is, um, in terms of the galaxy that we can see, 13.5 billion light years away. Now, just bear with me for a minute. Let me, let me kind of put that in some perspective. 13.5 billion light years. Light year is the, is the distance that light travels in one year. Okay? Okay, here we go. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's 11,160,000 miles per minute. That's 669,600,000 miles per hour. 
talk about a speeding ticket. That's 16 billion 700, uh, 16 billion, 70 million, 400,000 miles a day. That's 5 trillion, uh, five, I'm sorry, 5 billion, no, 5 trillion, 865 billion, 696 million miles per year. Per year. And the furthest out that they're able to see is 13.5 billion light years out. I don't even know. that Your calculator will, will just, it'll spaz out <laughs> trying, to, trying to even print that number. But the reason, that, the reason that I wanted to give you the numbers is I wanted you to understand the power of God. God created that. God created that. For some of you who do work making things and you put effort and strength and, and ability and creativity into all of that, into whatever you create, and you say, this is what I made. Well, God created that. And you know how he did it? All he did was speak. All he did was speak. So every time you look up, what you're looking at is his creation. And you're seeing, you need to remind yourself, God, you really are an awesome God. Look at what you did just by simply saying, let there be. You think anything is too hard for God? You want to be reminded of something that's much bigger than you? By the way, when you consider all of that stuff that you just saw. And that's what the Lord said. He said, go back and look at that. And I went back to look at that. And the little things that I was feeling convicted over, ah, the issues of, of health issues, ah, <laughs> all of those things, God, you are able to do it. That started for me in May of 2012. That started for me getting really acquainted with my front porch. Because that's the place that God said, I want you to come here and I want you to look not at the house across the street. I don't want you to look at the trees across the street. I want you to focus on something that's much further out because you'll then understand how big that I am. And so every morning I would come out and I'd just sit there and it's like, wow. After a while, I stopped praying about my stuff and I started saying, God, you tell me about your stuff. Because you're running all of these things and I'm saying, why am I stressing over this? God, you can deal with this. Look at what you're dealing with. My problems pale in the light of what you are dealing with. And so it pays to look up. It'll be a reminder. I've been a part of a citywide prayer movement for a lot of years, and I was talking with somebody about some things we've been praying about concerning the country, and I, and I was really distracted when we were praying because we're lifting up and we're entreating God and crying out about all of these things, and my mind went someplace else. I hate to admit that during a prayer session, but it did. <laughs> it went someplace else while we were praying. Where my mind went was what's going on on the other side of another galaxy, someplace else. God, you're not having a problem with that at all. This thing is running just the way you want it to run. So why do I stress? I don't need to. Look up. Understand just 
how big God is. Psalm 19 says, and this was in the video, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses declaring the work of his hands. Day by day, day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice, whose voice? The heavens' voice is not heard. The heavens don't speak, but they do speak. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. Wherever you go, you can look up. They're always there. They're always talking to you. Victoria, you can, you can put that, that one up. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of the chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. This is a picture that a photographer took. He's in Australia. That little curve thing right there, do you know what it is? That's the Milky Way. That's our galaxy. This is where we live, folks. We're on the outer edge, and you, without a telescope, you can see it. One of, one of my bucket list things, I want to go to a dark sky park, because you can see this kind of stuff from there. But you look up, and there it is. We're literally looking into the place where we live. Now, in that galaxy, in that galaxy that we live, there are 100 billion stars. Do you know how big that is? 52,850 light years. This is our home. 52,000 light years is how big this is. This is our neighborhood. There are 100 billion stars, and you can see it. By the way, those little things right there, they're called pinnacles. They're like these salt structures that are about nine feet tall. So that gives you a sense of scale when you look at that. But those things declare, they declare the work of his hands, his glory. What is his glory? It's the sum total of all of his characteristics. That's his glory. And the heavens declare that. And we always have that accessible to us. So no matter where we are, doesn't matter if you can't get Wi-Fi reception, it's not an issue. You just simply go outside and look up. And there it is. God, you're, you're reminding me again how powerful you are. You know, he did that with Abraham. Made a promise to Abraham. Had no kids. Not only are you going to be an exalted father, Abram, you're going to be father of a multitude. This is for a guy who's old and whose wife is barren. Think that's a big deal for God? Mm -mm. As a matter of fact, the reminder was, Abraham, look up. That was in the video. If you can count the stars, that's how many your offspring are going to be. 
That was God's reminder was, look up. I can do that. I can do this with you. You look up, it's the reminder. You look down at the sand, you can count those, that's how many you're going to be. Now, why, why is that important in experiencing God? Because it's one of his chosen ways of revealing himself to us. And it gives really great perspective about who we are. Is that the only way? No. But this is so clear. This is so clear that Paul writes that there is no excuse for not understanding and acknowledging him. Atheists can't say there's no God. It's all right there. There are a few other ways. Oh, 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 oh. Let me close here. Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, chapter 10, verse 12. I made mention about the heavens, the three heavens. Two of them we have access to. One is our little atmosphere, and the other is just told you. But in Deuteronomy, do you realize all three of them are referenced there? All three. Chapter 10, verse 12 says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. So we know that. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then in verse 14 it says this, Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heavens, that's the second heaven, and the highest heavens, that's the third heaven, the earth and all that is in it, that's the first. Love the Lord your God because to him belong all of these things, and you're to love him, and he'll remind you who he is, why? so that you can encounter and be intimate with him. The amazing thing about all of that, all of that stuff that we just saw, is that he knows the flavor of ice cream that you like. Has God ever done that for you? He gave you, he did something for you that didn't mean squat to anybody else, but it was your preference. It was that thing at that moment that was important for you. And when he did it, you just kind of chuckled and you thought, God, I knew this was for me. Because <laughs> it wouldn't mean anything to anybody else. But for me, it was important. And he did that. 13 points. 5 billion light years away is the furthest by the way the universe is continuing to expand that's how far away the borders are to what he's created and yet and yet 
your desire and at times has just said, just because you're mine, I'm going to do this. We got a little Benji and a Gigi in our house right now. Our two little hominies. Just two little dogs. They look like puppies. Everybody thinks they're puppies. But that was a desire of my wife's heart. Actually, she only wanted one. God says, I love you so much. I'm going to give you two. But he did that. Mighty powerful things. And yet, because I love you, that's what I'm going to do. And they came in a way which you knew it was him. The whole point of this this morning is that he wants you to encounter him. He wants you to be intimate. He wants you to be aware. He wants you to know him in that same type of intimacy so that you rest. You're not stressing over things. You're not worrying about things because you know that he's in control. things 
things and promises, opportunities, some really difficult things, health, financial, relational. But we're here before you, saying that our eyes are on you. Nothing is too difficult for you. And so, Lord, I just simply say, hear the cries of your people. See the desires of their hearts. See the challenges that they that we all face. And Lord, we look to you that you would move on our behalf in a way which brings glory and honor to you. Lord, your word is clear. What is man that you are mindful of him? But Lord, you are mindful of us. And so we trust you. I pray, Lord, that you see the hidden things in each person's heart who is standing before you. Lord, may the sign of your answer be the peace, the freedom from anxiety and fear and worry over us. Lord, may your rest, may your peace flood and fill each heart that there would be your shalom. Lord, I thank you already for the answers that you are giving, for the solutions that you are at work. Lord, some things are starting on the other side of the planet to answer these, but you see them and you know them. Oh, Lord God, how good you are. How good you are. We say thank you. Thank you for each answer. Lord, be glorified in that which you do through your Son toward us. Jesus' name.